1: For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
3: Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian Family Counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hello, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, I am bringing you yet another guest, and he's also another friend, (laughs) and his name is Mark Bowden, and he is an expert in human behavior and body language. He was voted the number one body language professional in the world many years running. Mark Bowden is passionate about giving people the most influential and persuasive communication techniques to help them stand out, win trust, and gain credibility every time they speak. A thought leader, sought-after keynote speaker, and trainer in body language, Mark's inspiring, energetic, and highly entertaining talks not only educate, but have proven life-changing for audiences around the world. Founder of communication training company Truthplane, Mark trains business people, leading politicians, and private individuals in his unique body language methodology, a system of nonverbal techniques that teach anyone how to communicate with impact to an audience. Author of four best-selling books on body language, Mark also has a TEDx talk that reaches and inspires millions of viewers. Mark is a go-to commentator for world media on the body language of leading politicians and public figures. He appears regularly on news and talk shows for CNN, CTV, CBC, Global, and is regularly quoted in such publications as The Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, and GQ Magazine. His most recent media appearances are on both the Dr. Phil podcast, fill in the Blanks, as well as the Dr. Phil show with his colleagues from his own quirky growing YouTube show, The Behavior Panel which itself has rocketed to popularity, having surpassed half a million subscribers since its inception in 2020.
2: Mark, so great to see you. Thank you for being on the show. Hey there, Hallison. Good to be here with my friend. This is fantastic.
3: (laughs) Uh, So I can't believe that you had to say like no to G7 summit leaders so that you could come spend some time with me and my uh, listeners.
2: You are always more important than G7 <laughs> summit leaders, any day of the week.
3: Uh, truthfully, thank you so much. You know we've gone back a long way with our speaking careers, and and then you give, gave me the great honor of being included um, in your book, Truth and Lies: What People Really Are No What People Are Really Thinking, uh, that you co-wrote with your wife Tracy, and uh, and that was a great little endeavor. But I think for most people here, they haven't got a clue. Why is Alison bringing a a body language expert onto her podcast? So (laughs) tell people about what a body language expert is anyways.
2: Yeah, well, really, what I do is help people with the body language that they might use in order to influence and persuade other people. I do do some work about reading other people's body language. And I say reading in inverted commas because Body language is not a language. Body language is a metaphor that we use for behaviors that we might be able to get closer to the truth of what's going on in somebody's head by monitoring those behaviors and thinking about those behaviors. So I help people think about other people's behaviors and I help people produce behaviors that may well get them a better result, whatever kind of result they're trying to get. Does that, does that make sense to you, Allison?
3: Well, it sure makes sense to me. So, um, I, I, selfishly brought you on for one of my own, uh, reasons. Well, a, cause I wanted to catch up with you, yeah. uh, two, because I wanted everyone to know about you and follow you. So we're going to put all those links and things up in the, uh, in the show notes, but I literally, you were the only and best person I thought of when I had this situation come up in my counseling practice where I had two teenage girls two, mm-hmm. separate, like just two different clinical situations and both of them s- said, um, "I'm having a really hard time because I have this thing, or I've been accused of having." And now this is like listener alert. There's going to be a swear yeah, yeah. word here. Um, resting bitch face. Yeah. R- resting bitch face. And um, so, and this was quite upsetting to them because they, they, a, you know, it's been pointed out to them again and again and again. And they they don't want to have it. They don't want to be interpreted that way. And I started thinking about that whole, you know, is it with intentionality? What's behind the behavior and the more complex things? And I thought, you're the guy who knows the bigger picture thinking. You're the guy I'm going to go get my clinical supervision around and help me pick this apart so I can hopefully help these people. And then we'll talk about some parent behaviors too.
2: (laughs) Yeah, lovely. Okay, well, let's dig into that. And first of all, before I, I dig into how true this might be let's even work out how true it is did you look into first of all like who they getting this information from i mean is it is it a good sample of people that are saying hey you've got this you've got this attitude we think or was it one person like where's this information coming from do you think
3: what a what a great question um and so I will ask that more specifically. I can only guess and hypothesize, but what, what, yeah. but what to your point, what a powerful question around anyone who's being whatever, I don't know if accused is the right word here, but um, if somebody's giving you feedback on how you're being perceived, uh, one person's perception or yeah. everybody's perception is a good good question to get clarified on.
2: Yeah. Okay. So good. And 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 I only just want to say that because some people's opinion is more important than others. I mean, that's you know, some people's opinion has a bias towards it, and we should check that out. But look, let's just suggest Alison that that these people are are getting this information from a lot of people that can be trusted, so they're having an effect which seems to have seems to be negative they're not enjoying that yeah. and let's take I've, that as let's take that as true for the and, for the purposes of this yeah
3: and if you're going to give me the credit mark um, I, I've experienced both of these people and I would say I experience their yeah. resting bitch face so I do know of what they speak
2: so, fine okay that makes that makes a lot of sense so so look the, the question is 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 you know, how is this coming about? And what, if anything, would they like to do about it? Here's what I want you to understand is if there is, no body language to discern. If not enough is happening in the face or the body, our instincts don't default to positives about the other person. They default to negatives. So even Alison, if I don't do anything in my face, if I have what we often call flat affect, which means I'm not really showing any emotion at any point or at points where you'd really like to see some emotion, you won't in your unconscious or conscious mind go, oh good, Mark's not showing any feeling. That's a really good thing. your unconscious or conscious mind will go hang on there's something up here i don't like this and you'll project that not liking the confusion of it onto me and make me a bad person you might make me a bit of a bitch. okay you might just you might just do that so i w- so again my question would be and you may not have an answer to this or you may want to investigate this more but is is there a face that really does are they producing a face that really does project negativity so there might be anger or or disgust or contempt in the face or is it that they're actually not doing anything and that your confusion about their feeling might be—you might be projecting that that confusion onto them and the negativity of being confused. So first of all, give me some feedback. I got some more ideas for you, Alison, yeah. but give me some feedback on that. What What are your I, thoughts about that so far? Well,
3: well, it just dawned on me as you said that flat affect and neutral face—that's not, mm-hmm. you know—that uh, isn't it interesting that the phenomenon is called resting bitch face? Yes. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Why would you put the word resting in there if it didn't speak to the idea that it was, it was like a default mode, not an active stance to try to show anger, disgust, or, or, or whatever?
2: Right, exactly. So they're just listening, or they're just being there, or they're not having any feelings at all. And it could be that that resting face... That, that having nothing going on when the person having a conversation wants them to have a reaction, when they don't see any reaction, they go, well, that's not good, that's bad, and therefore they're a bad person, they're a bitch, okay? That's, that's a possibility, okay? So look, let's just say that's a possibility. What I could say to this particular client is, hey, you know, there's there's a couple of things we could do about this okay and and the first one you get to do whatever you want to do okay but you're going to have to frame it you get to be you how you are resting but we're going to frame that for everybody you talk to okay and everybody that doesn't know you uh, or you're going to get to do some behaviors on purpose that's going to take this situation away so in the first instance um, if it were me i would go and i didn't know you allison I would I would go, hey, what? Hey, Alison, you know, um, often when I'm listening to people talk, I'm super engaged in what they're saying, but nothing much happens on my face. And people often think I'm angry or not listening or, you know, not interested in you or upset or, I don't know, they they have all kinds of ideas about me. But believe me, I'm really interested in what you're saying, though you may not be able to see it on my face, okay? So I just tell you exactly what's gonna be Happening, so you've got a framework for me now. We'd probably work out a quicker way to to say that, you know. But but first of all, give me feedback on on that one. Like, how might that work?
3: Well, what I what so here, I love that you're offering me to, to, to jump in with feedback here. What I love about that is, first of all, choice. Oh my mm. gosh, people do not want to be told what to do ever. People love to have choice. So I love that you're holding up the a, the, the, the A or the B, um, right? And and in the in the example that you gave, gosh, isn't it true how many is, we're using one example of behavior, but I know all kinds of people that can get misread that have to give some caveat about when you get to know me, you'll understand yeah. whatever. And and the fact that you're just pushing it ahead in the conversation, I love that. I think I think that's I think that's great.
2: Yeah, so I, I liken it to giving people a user manual. It's like we're, we're really complex human beings. It's not, it's not even like I'm a, a video recorder from the 1980s, which were very simple to use, but most people couldn't ever program because they hadn't read the manual. Okay. We're super complex and we don't come with a manual of how to operate us correctly. So unless I give you some kind of hint. So for me personally, Alison, I sometimes when I'm working with clients, I'll go, look, you know, I get told all the time that I have this, these kind of eyebrows that might look angry and this kind of my glabella comes together, like I might be concerned or angry. But actually, that's what I do when I'm thinking, really, really, uh, really thinking about what you're saying. So, yeah, what, exactly. You're doing it. What part of the body
3: did you just say?
2: It's the glabella. Yeah. It's when, when the, when the eye, when the top of the eyebrows move together and you get these two or three lines there oh. that often people associate with anger. Actually, anger often doesn't really look like that, to be honest. But people often associate it with concern or anger or aggression. And for me, it's just I'm thinking. And what I say to people is, look, I'm actually very, very rarely angry and I'd never be angry with you. So just to let you know. So I give them the manual so that when they see that face, They've now got another way to interpret it other than their instinctual way, which is designed to default to negatives and keep them safe, okay? So, look, one option that I give you is, hey, give people a bit of a manual, okay? If nothing happens in my face, it's not because I'm upset or angry or anything like that. It's just the way I am, okay? Uh, now, the other way, the other thing we could do is just increase the emotion in our face or the the feeling or the thinking in our face. So something is happening for people. And I would say what we probably need to do is increase the positive emotions that we're having or positivity in our face in order to give a strong enough message of positivity to whoever's listening to us so they can think the best. Of us, and one of the ways I do that, Alison, is is anytime anybody is talking to me, I just think to myself, "You are amazing. This is just. I love this. Like, I, and you're, I call it my." You're fr-
3: faking it right now, Mark.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I don't have to fake it with you. With some people, I totally have to fake it. Yeah. <laughs> with, quite honestly, with some clients, they're into a story, and I have to do my friend's amazing. And they keep on talking and they keep on talking and they keep on filling and filling and filling. So I get the information that I need, even though at the time I'm thinking, God, this is so boring. This is so not the information we need right now, but I need to keep them talking. And so I'm just thinking, this is amazing. My friend is amazing. You are a brilliant talker. And I just think it in my head and I can listen to everything that they're saying at the same time because my mantra is very, very simple and it shows through subtly enough in my face that there is no, you know, what other people might call resting bitch face. Now, again, Alison, give me a feedback on, on that. Cause some people don't like that one because they're like, I should be able to be whoever I am. And I, and I totally, I totally get that, you know?
3: Well, I, I love mantras um, and there's something about trying to create genuine positive emotion through, by, by having a conscious decision to have, um, a positive thought so mm. that the, so that when it flows, you know, you're, you're, you're less wearing a mask of faking you're like, I know we all have to come at, like act interested, but if you actually are saying this is an interesting person, you're yeah. more, I think you're more likely to believe yourself. So I think it is going to kind of come out better. If you go, it's a gift that I can talk to so many people on the planet or everyone's got an interesting story or whatever your, your little mantra is nice and and, and short, but yeah, get yourself actually a little enthused. I like that.
2: Right. And here's what I've noticed about that personally in the work that I do is when I do my friends amazing and I'm there going, Oh, this is terrible. Like this, this session is going nowhere. We're not getting anywhere here because they're into some shiny story, which is way off, way off. When I, when I do my friends amazing. Suddenly I'm going, actually, this is quite interesting. Actually, we're going the right way here. Actually, we're so it, it, it improves the, the framework that I'm seeing that client or having that conversation in. And it gets me truly more optimistic about where this is going. And that only seems like benefit. To me. So there are some people out, out there who don't like the kind of the fake it idea. I don't really see it as faking it because, because the moment I say my friend's amazing, I suddenly, suddenly think, yeah, they are my friend. They're okay. They're not against me. This is go This is going well. So I, I quite like that one. I think either of those can work quite well. And they're very different from, Hey, just put on a smile and people will like you. It's like, no, that's, <laughs> that's not really the way it the way it works. And that's probably what other people have told these people. I bet they've said, you know what, smile. It may never happen. You know, <laughs> it's like that's not you. That's not useful. You know, <laughs> are you happy? <laughs> yes. We'll tell your face. It's that's not helpful. Well, that's not the way it works.
3: I just got a bunch of headshots done. And I said, can you get some serious pictures of me? You know, and uh, we kept looking at the serious ones. And she's like, I just don't think you ever are serial. I never <laughs> see it. like your light is not shining. You know how it, when you have a good headshot, your, yeah. your real personality comes out she's like, well, I just don't see it in any of your serious pictures. Um, but I, I did have to learn. So what, what do you think about this idea? Do you ever have yeah. anyone actually photograph themselves? Because you know, as speakers and I did that, the parenting show, you know, the, when it was a call in show, you would hear the call in person and then the camera would zoom on my face. And of course now I'm listening to the caller cause I really want to understand the question and it's in the studio so it's sort of kind of hard to hear and I and I'm really I'm working on my answer and I would have this grimacing kind of face, which I had no idea. I thought I was just listening intently. But when I looked back at the footage, it's like, if this was a real person looking at my face, they would probably shut down their answer quickly because it, it is not projecting my internal state at all. I, I, I wouldn't have called it a bitch face, but it was a not friendly, not open, not not at all a reflection of the inside. But I would never have known had I not have seen Footage versus just yeah. feedback, a verbal feedback. Footage made a difference.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm not a huge, uh, though I have a bit of a solution for you and anybody else out there, I'm not a huge advocate of looking at pictures of yourself or looking at film of yourself simply because we are not generally very professional and 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 good critics of ourselves. okay that's why we need somebody who is who is a friend or somebody we trust or you know a counselor of some sort a therapist of some sort who can reflect back to us in a in a more um professional and 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 outside of our own relationship with ourself or the other people that are, are our mirrors, I, I, I would say. So that can be really helpful. We're not good critics of ourself, I would say. Now, having said that, if you do see that that's happening, uh, here's a technique that I use on every kind of piece of media that I go on, is, is this show is amazing. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so, change the mantra <laughs> yeah yeah. this show is amazing and so and, and because there are so many elements of a show there's all of that technical stuff the fact that you're doing you know what we often call a double header which means like you're just looking into space but down a camera and there's somebody coming in very quietly into your earpiece who you can't quite here and you know your face is being captured so there's so much complexity and going wrong i make it simple with a simple mantra in my head as i'm listening to the person's question of you know what this show is amazing i love this show i love now another part of my mind is going i can't hear anything that's going on here and i don't know what's happening and this is you know the titanic is going down so i so i've got that going on at the same time as my countermeasure to that which is this show is amazing and I'm able to listen to what could be a question at the same time. Now there's a lot going on there, which means you can't do it for very long. Mm -hmm. Okay. But luckily most people won't be on the media for, for, for a long amount of time. And, and if you're an anchor, like you have anchored yourself to that technology, you have so many people making it right for you. And, and we as guests don't have that level of technicality going on around us, and and just trial and error that we've done it so many times, we know it really takes something big to to send the show down and to have a complete collapse. Anyway, I, any of that, uh, you know, useful to you, Alison?
3: I love the changing of the mantra, which tells me it really works. It really, yeah. yeah, it really, it really works. Um, and and the it's so interesting that if we're not good judges of our pictures, which can I tell you if you've ever had a teenage girl, you know, my my daughters are like, let me see that picture. No, you can't post that. Let me see that picture. No, you can't take another one. Yeah, they're terrible critics of themselves and we're in an era where we probably have more pictures and footage of ourselves than any other time in history. Um so I I like the advice don't look. I (laughs) don't look, just post
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, as 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 I've always known about the news and media is is today's news is tomorrow's chip wrapper which means, you know, in, in the old print world of, of the UK, as you can all hear, you know, I'm from the UK, from London originally, whatever was the news of the day would end up being the thing that you ate your fish and chips out of the next day. So it doesn't, you know, it's disposable. And so I guess helping people understand the disposability of fo- photography now. Now, of course, you know, that there, there is a certain element that says that is correct to say, look, these these pictures will live on forever. And they're not just for your grandma anymore, your granddad or your aunts and your uncles and your mom and your dad and whatever caregivers you have, you know. They're like, they're being propagated across the world potentially. So there is more risk around that. So I totally get it. There is more risk. But then there's the thing of, well, tomorrow we can make a better picture. <laughs> Send this one out today. Tomorrow, we'll make a better picture, you know? Yeah.
3: And they're all, and I think, you know, part of our digital education is those things are all curated anyways. We've, we've all had that where everything looks great on Facebook when you actually meet them. They're like, I had the worst depression of my life last year. You're like, I had no idea. Your pictures look great. So yeah, totally. they're inaccurate anyways as, as stories. Um, yeah, So I'm going to share that information with my team, uh, critics, but as you were talking about flat affect and flat faces, I have another little thing I want to ask you about, which is because it ties to, it ties to technology. Um, and you're probably aware of the, the, this, but maybe not our, our listeners Which is, there was that famous um, psychological study done, and it was I think it was called the flat face experiment, where they had a mother with a baby engaging and doing the regular reciprocal kind of bonding, mimicking, creating connection with a baby that a parent does sort of naturally. And then they had the mother um, basically drop her face and make that neutral one that you said that kids will then project as, as they'll go to the negative, they'll go to the negative assumption. And you see the baby get really dysregulated and try yeah. to re-engage her mother again. And as soon as she does re-engage with the regular cooing and smiling and baby talk that we do, the baby's all happy and content again. So, so that's the famous study. My question for you is, as you see a mother walking down the street with a stroller and the baby's in the stroller awake, but she, the mom is on the phone mm. with a flat affect face, do you think this is impactful for kids?
2: Well look i think i mean we've we've got to know that the 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 medicine has to come in some kind of of moderation because if the if the mother was on the kid twenty four seven with a big smiley face, that could have some effect as well so so you know what is the what is the window of, of therapy here that we need we need to hit and and i've and and the you know the mum needs to have the social contact that uh, that she needs to have. In, in in this situation, so so long as there are enough moments with that child to show that face and other faces. You know, surprise is a great one. You know, stuff just turning up and disappearing is just a fantastic one. The idea that stuff can come and stuff can go and where's it gone is is a great one. But the smile is super important. I mean, to that point, Alison, you know, I'm going to hold up for you now um, a a sticker that I have right next to my camera, which is this smiley face on a post-it note.
3: Oh, yes, yes.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, you can see you're already reacting to this as I'm showing you this. <laughs> Your instinct, you know, is already um reacting to that that image of two dots a dot for the nose and and the smile. In fact, all we need is the two dots for the eyes and the and the smile and our instinct starts reacting to that. My understanding is it's between about th- uh 3 to to 6 weeks old and that image will start to have an effect because we need to look for who is going to supply to us, who is going to keep us alive. Yeah. Who might be a risk to us and we need to cry. And that's our best option is who is making, who's got those two dots and that half moon going in the right direction. And my understanding is, you know, if you hold that upside down <laughs> for a oh, kid, what oh, they don't like it. They don't like it. That's not enough. good. They like, they like it that way, you know, Right yeah. way up for a smile, and they don't like it upside down at all. At all.
3: That is so fascinating. What do you attribute that to mean? I mean, clearly there's a there's a, a, a biological imperative wired in around that. But but mm. is it is is it literally because they know what a shape a face should look like that that's the?
2: Yes. Listen, I had I heard of one experiment which was simply a a, a triangle drawn with with. With two dots. And and that alone would have a response with the two dots at the at the fat side of the triangle, okay? Because that is quite like a head. And if you turn it upside down for a child, the child doesn't like it because now the head is upside down in terms of it wants to see, you know, big top of a head, smaller chin area of the head the nearest thing is a kind of a triangle and it wants to see those two dots you put a smile on it even better that, <laughs> you turn that upside down now it's not confused so good. And doesn't and doesn't like it and that's a reflex you well, know it's, it's it's reflexive it's not that's not learnt um it's developed and it happens my understanding is the development happens about 3 to 6 weeks and it may in some cases it's 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 something that some um, Medical practitioners might look out for, you know, further in in development. If if their response isn't there to that smile, then that can um, that can trigger some investigations as to why that might be with that particular uh, child, a little,
3: little n- non neurotypical or something. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So, for for parents, I'm thinking of you raising your kids and knowing what you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> D- did you make any conscious decisions about? Your body language, your body behaviors, your facial—like, what what were you mindful of that would be like a good takeaway for for parents that are just like now absolutely paranoid to make any facial expression at all again? (laughs) Gonna be walking around with big smiles all day.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
3: (laughs) My kid is so amazing. My kid is so amazing.
2: (laughs) Well, I think look, what I need to, what I've made personally conscious decisions around is, though I don't see myself as being a particularly tall or big person. Okay. Cause in my mind, I'm still a little child, you know, as we all, as we all are, you, you know, you don't leave behind any of those development stages. They kind of live in you and hopefully they get integrated in some way, you know, and, but, but in my mind, I'm still a little kind of kid. But, but when I put myself next to other human beings, I'm on average, I'm massive compared to most other human beings. Like I'm about six foot tall. That is way above an average. You know, I got quite big upper body strength and, 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 you know, I've got big hair and a, and a relatively big face. And so against kids, like I'm big. And so, so what I have to be careful of, or certainly what I've been careful about is trying not to dominate, trying not to, to find ways of how do I make myself more open? How do I make myself smaller? Now that's not to minimize, the, the size of myself. So I look unconfident because part of my job as a parent is to teach confidence and part of confidence is to inhabit space and take up space that is yours you know if the space is yours take up that territory don't minimize yourself in that in that territory know what is somebody else's territory you know and if you're getting if you're getting too close into people you know understanding what what belongs to you and what belongs to other people and then where you're going to have to negotiate that space and how are you going to do that but I'm pretty big so I take up space so I have been careful you know when I was talking to my kids when they were little I would get down on my knees I would crouch down I would make myself smaller I've got a big voice so I have to soften that as well because everything could feel easily quite aggressive you know and and I'm I'm a dad and I love my kids absolutely but with the best will in the world they could easily get triggered into uh that's a big (laughs) that guy's big and we got to watch out for, for that so I think there's that for a start, the other thing that I've paid attention to, which is about reading body language, so I do a lot of work on what deception looks like. Okay, and is is to allow your kids to be deceitful, allow them. I have you know, I have frameworks and a, and a, and technique and ability to be able to see deception, and so it'd be quite easy to to go, no, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> <They were> going, <laughs> no, that didn't happen at all.
3: I'm so glad that wasn't my father, everyone is saying. <laughs>
2: right. Well, exactly. So people often say to me, Wow, well, you know, how is it with your kids? Because you know, you must you must you must be able to tell that they're lying and 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 they can't get away with it. It's like they have to be able to get away with it. Being being good at lying, being able to tell lies in the right place. Okay. Being able to tell the truth in the right place is important. Being able to tell lies in the right place is important that's how society is is built now what one society thinks is a truth another society may think is a lie okay so so we got so to know give, who
3: give a good oh sorry give a good child example of a useful place to give a a well-practiced lie where that would make sense
2: okay you know look did did, did you eat i thought there were there were going to be three biscuits here cookies here there's only one. Did you have? Did you have the two? It's <laughs> like no. Oh, okay, okay. Now, what is it? Now, look. If cookies are super important, you know, if they're an imperative resource, you know, and the ramifications of of suggesting that you you know you didn't have two cookies. You know, um, is super important. Then, then yeah, you've got to, you've got to get into that and go, okay, you've got to be honest with me because cookies is, is life, is our lifeblood here as a family. Like, you know, if we cannot account for our cookies here, what are we going to do? Like that, you know, I, I totally understand that. But if it's about stuff that isn't that important, number one, it's great practice for kids to be able to be deceptive around the stuff is that I'm, isn't that important
3: but parents listening are gonna go oh my god he's corrupting our children to become liars and they're gonna they're gonna cheat on tests and they're gonna be amoral. and uh, well, you where know
2: did, where did they learn to lie because they lie
3: <laughs> well that's what I mean, I'm saying we all I don't think people it? understand that part of part of human to say more about the social the social need it's, to not right. be 100% truthful
2: Yeah, it is one of our most important social skills to be able to lie, to be able to accept a lie, to be able to tell the truth and be able to accept a truth. Okay. without that ability, without that ability to know when to lie and know when not to lie and know when to tell the truth and know when to accept the truth or know when to accept a lie from somebody. If you can't do that skillfully, you will need somebody to care for you for the rest of your life and take you around society and go and go, Okay. so when you talk to Mark, here's what's going to happen. And don't don't hurt him when he when he tells you the truth. Don't hit him or anything. He just, he just cannot lie to you about stuff. It is antisocial when you when you when you are not adept at these things, and we learn to be adept at those things, and we learn through mimicking others, okay, and then practicing in in non lethal situations. As well as allowing that to happen for your kids and showing them when and, and 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 taking them to task when their deceitfulness is 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 getting towards lethal i mean it, I mean i don't mean particularly you know it may not get anywhere near that but they are they are being deceitful about things that are um, massively important resources and you know and and so to take them to task around that can be important because that will help them understand the value system of your society. Help them understand, look, this is an important thing. This we don't really care about. Say so, what you like so, about that. So you know? when,
3: when, uh, when I was, you know, seven and all my brothers got knitted sweaters and I got the knitted poncho um, and I really wanted the knitted sweater to match my brothers and I said to my grandma, thank you very much. I love it. I was being deceitful. But, right. but I was keeping a, um, a, a community bond.
2: Right. And and that stands you the chance of next Christmas or birthday or, you know, Hanukkah, whatever it might be, you know, going <laughs> going going, you know what, Grandma? Love one of those ponchos. <laughs> I loved the sweater that you gave me last year and I've worn it a bunch of times. Uh, sorry, I, I love the I love the I love the poncho. Sorry, I got that remote. I love the poncho that you gave me, but I'd love one of those sweaters. Because if you'd opened with uh, you know what, Grandma? Um I hate it. I hate it. I I hate it because of its design, not only because of its design, but also it represents the the misogynist attitude that is within, you know, our society and has seen its way fully into you as a human being. (laughs) Like, that's honesty. Like, that's honest. I, let's be honest that's so that's such
3: a perfect example oh my god yeah oh and as a kid you
2: probably would have been capable of that yeah the kid you would have been intelligent enough to go there's something deeper than this it's not just about jumpers and ponchos here this is this is something deeper and darker going on
3: oh uh so you so as kids grow and develop though as you say there is they, they can finesse the yeah. differentiators between um you know but but lying when whatever you're doing your taxes and you need to be a good tax paying citizen not so helpful
2: right right yeah. my son my son doesn't lie about cookies anymore
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's face.
2: Like, it's like yeah it's like who cares like, well, it's even, you have no them. jurisdiction over me <laughs> it's like, who cares but he got practiced with wow. that because we need to be like like allison if if you're you know if you were in trouble and you came round to my house and there's somebody after you okay you came round to my house and they came here and they went and they stood at my doorstep and went is allison there yeah I i'm practiced enough now to be able to go no they go, no, she is. I go, no, she isn't. You don't know what you're talking about. And I would be a really good liar. <laughs> okay. And because thank you be for that.
3: Thank lie. God for that. <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 I will lie for you, Alison, about <laughs> some stuff, but not about everything. So <laughs> and that's the nature of society.
3: What's an example of people needing to accept the truth?
2: Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a good one. So, Alison, if you start telling me a story, okay, entertaining me with a with a um, oh, okay, no, that's accepting a lie. That's accepting a lie. Hang on, accepting the truth. Um, yeah. So, an example of of, of accepting the like the feedback
3: truth. at a job in a job. Uh, yeah. It,
2: it, it, yes, it could be. It could be. It could be accepting that um, that truth. Well, it, what are the kind of things that you 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 kind of know that they're true and you push away at them. Oh, look, I tell you what, you could have done it. You could have done that uh, when I talked about your grandmother. You could have pushed that truth away. I said to you, hey, you know, um, you know it comes from a, from a, from a misogynist society <laughs> and, and your grandmother is the, is the embodiment of that. And you laugh because you go, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you show me that acceptance of the of, of the truth. You don't dig it any deeper. Right. <laughs> you, don't, right. You, know, you didn't take it any further, but but you you accepted that truth. You could have gone no, that's that's like, ridiculous. Like
3: that's taking true. it taking We're it just to ten. Taken that
2: too far. You know, and the only reason I said it is because I had a good I had a a good gamble that knowing you as a person and knowing how understanding you are about other people and yourself that, you know, and knowing that you're able to see the balance of, of what, you know, how good people are and how they get themselves into trouble at the same time that you'd be able to balance that piece of humor quite, quite well. Okay. But ultimately there you were accepting a a truth and therefore we bonded on a joke. If you can't accept the truth, yeah, you can't have a joke with people. And, and, you know, in a recent case, sometimes you might end up getting on a world stage and hitting somebody.
3: Oh, well, you that's... must have had a field day with that in Total your media. Total field day.
2: <laughs> Total field day on that one. But that would be potentially an example of of somebody not accepting a a truth that is going going on you know and 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 the comedian involved in that he stops himself short after that hit he says oh i could have i could have and and he and he and he stops himself because he's going i could have told so many truths about you i could have told because because there's some truths about will smith out there that nobody says they're not allowed to say okay because he's he's a massive commodity yeah. and it would spoil a lot of stuff. And, and there was the comedian going, I could have told some truths and I told that one and you hit me for, you don't accept that truth. Wow. So that, that would be an example of how we need to accept, accept the, accept the truth.
3: Accepting truth. And for, and for people, they may not know, but they will when they'll go to the links, Uh, you often on your media take public figures and do an analysis as they give you know speeches show up on shows or whatever so that you can see how this plays out in some you know our more powerful more notable people just fascinating to watch so that's right. why I said I knew you'd have a heyday with that one yeah yeah for um, sure so what else? I, I the getting down, the look in the eyes, the the, uh, the the teaching them how to lie well. What else did you utilize? What's another parent hack that parents can take away that they might not have might not across their mind if they didn't have the body of knowledge and training that you do?
2: Listen, I just think people want to know. I think how to read their kids. Oh, right. <laughs> you, know? you know, and so and so the what I've looked out for, which is just good body language reading technique, is is what we call deviations from baseline. Like knowing how they are generally in, in certain situations, and then knowing when they deviate from baseline, when they're not doing that anymore. And the deviations can be very, very subtle or very, very big. So you gotta, you know, so, so the main thing is, is like, watch your kid watch them watch them listen to them you know watch them interact talk a little bit less listen a little bit more (laughs) watch a little bit more yeah let them let them behave and watch their behavior
3: and don't jump to conclusions. You know that's sort of no. how you kicked off your book. It would be so easy for someone to say, "Oh well, my son has his arms across his chest, so he must be huffy and mad." And it turns out, you know, he's got missing a button on his shirt, and he just doesn't right. want his...
2: <laughs> right, that or or anything. So, for example, let me give you an example with uh, with my daughter. She has a deviation from baseline. It's a class. It's a classic thing. There no. By the way, there are no absolutes in body language. So. Biting, biting the inside of your cheek doesn't mean, doesn't mean um, that you are under, uh, you are anxious in, in any way for everybody, but it's a, enough of a deviation in baseline for my daughter that if I see that just biting, it doesn't happen often, but when I see that, it can beg the question, like, how are you doing? <laughs> but now, not, hey, are you anxious? Mm-hmm. Hey, is this mm-hmm. something up with you? Yeah, because now I'm just, now that's just leading questions. Okay. But if I just take the time to go, Hey, how you, how you doing? Or, or go, or go, tell me more about that. So whatever, whatever she was talking about that got the little bite in the cheek. Yeah. Oh, tell me more about that. So we can get more into that area and explore what's, what's going on. Now it may not give me any, um, exact verbiage from her that helps sort it out for me. Yeah. Cause I'm not trying to do an interrogation
0: here. <laughs> I'm not trying to find Aaron. the guilty
2: parties and get them to admit to anything. <laughs> but what I might be able to do is just be more interested and get her to talk a little bit more about something that, that later she might talk about it, or she might be able to sort it out better in her own head. Because she's talked about it, maybe a little bit undercover, but talked about it in front of somebody else. So it's a slow. So, so yeah. Try not to interrogate
3: ever. <laughs> ever try,
2: <laughs> ever, try <laughs> to find ways to just open up speaking, mainly them speaking a little bit more. Anyway, what, what's your view on that? Because you, yeah, you know, that's nope. a that's a real skill set. So oh yeah. my
3: gosh, you know, yeah, well, you know, we 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 gave the example in the book of my daughter who, you know, kept, uh, deviated from baseline and was, yeah. you know, suddenly really hypervigilant and then kept stopping on the way to school to tie her shoes. Um, and uh, and it would have been so easy to have that parental knee-jerk reaction to say, oh my God, you're dawdling, why are you holding things up? But it was just, it just wasn't who she was. And, and we did the deeper dive and she couldn't put language to it either, but I could tell it, that with just that... The vigilance just looked like anxiety. So I didn't use Mm -hmm. the word anxiety. I just made this little fluttery motion with my hands like a butterfly. And I said, you know that feeling in your tummy? And she said, yes. I said, would Mm -hmm. you like that to go away? And she said, yes. Mm -hmm. And I said, there's someone you can talk to. But she couldn't say to me, mom, do you know that two days ago when we walked to school, we saw this medical crisis on the the grass, and I'm now worried that it's going to happen again, so I'm bending down and tying my shoes so that the light changes color so that I can avoid walking in front of that house? She didn't have the capacity at seven to come up with okay. all of that. Um, but it was that was the deeper part of the, the story. So I think you're right that could we be willing to be open minded to say we want to be curious before we have those before we jump jump to conclusions about what's Going on with our kid, uh, yeah. make space for them to talk into in, into a safe place. Um, but so let me ask, you know, I'm mindful of our time, and I I could have you on for a whole other, a whole other set of questions. But what's the best body posture for sitting on the couch trying to get a kid to to, to talk? Is there a, where, where are you going to situate yourself in the house, in the room, in the way if you just want to like eat, give everybody signal that you are completely willing to be the parent that wants to talk and listen to their kid right now? Where would you go? What would you do?
2: Yeah, I would try and get um, into a position whereby nobody's particularly dominant, or they might be more dominant than me, I want to cut down my dominance. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, for me, it probably means we're going to need a little bit of distance at the start, because I'm always going to, Dominate not not my son so much because he's you know testosterone is hit and he's like <laughs> as tall as I am now but but he doesn't have you know the upper body mass and he doesn't have quite the big voice and everything so so we're gonna have to create a little bit of of distance as well certainly with male to male we gotta watch the amount of eye contact mm. okay because the amount of eye contact when testosterone levels are high can Signal conflict that there could be conflict. So, so, um, I might just keep that I might tell him that I'm listening, but I might not get strong eye contact all the time. And, and that can give the feeling of, okay, I'm being listened to, but I'm not being observed.
3: You just did something so beautifully that's visual that I want the listeners to, 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 I'm going to put language, but you just cocked your head in a a way that you would almost like if you were saying to somebody like, could you speak up or or like, you know, this, this thing of kind of like you're putting the ear forward, but it means that the eyes go down. That angle of your head, that was super inviting to me what you just did there.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm giving you my ear. So I'm I'm making sure that you can see that, that I've got this listening, but I'm, but I've shaded my eyes slightly. And so we're not getting you know, dominant eye contact with which with me might start to look aggressive. I would probably do that with my daughter as well a little bit bit now. Um, but but we might want to close the space at, at some point. And so one of the things that I do, I do this with kids and I do this with clients as well, is sometimes I'll go, oh, let me, can I just draw you a little picture of what I'm hearing here? And so, and so when I get a piece of paper and start to draw something, like a a a diagram and that's just useful for my brain as well to kind of put relationships in places and things in places and then I'll get next to the person you know and and go "What, what do you think of what I've drawn here so now we're looking at the same thing together and we can get closer and now we can have a conversation about this thing here This thing that I've drawn rather than a conversation about, you know, how you are or how I am or how our relationship is. We've put it into something else, which means and I might even be able to hand you the pen and go like draw what would be better or like tell me the thing you don't like there. So it's now I have put in their hands the ability to manipulate that situation And that way we can be on the same side of the idea rather than, I mean, you know, how easy is it going to be, let's say at the dining table or the kitchen table or wherever it is, to end up sitting in conflict with each other in what we'd call geometric antagonism, which is where you are directly opposite one another. It's called antagonism. And, and, and when you are sight, um, you know, at, at a, at a 90 degree angle, to them that's called the compliment so that's more complimentary yeah and if you sit next to them you're on the same side you're side by side but sitting next to somebody and getting direct eye contact with them and I would say you know as a good gamble especially two males yeah that doesn't necessarily work out well which is why in bars where there's not only Often, traditionally, not so much anymore, but traditionally, there would be a line of males, yeah, all drinking, yeah, everybody looks forward at the bottles and the mirrors and the TV. you yeah, not pictures.
3: looking at each other.
2: <laughs> you do not look at each other, which means you can actually have for, for, you know, that traditional male, a more in-depth, more emotional, more connected conversation with the person next to you, and the risk of it moving into violence has been lessened, essentially.
3: So, and maybe that gives us some of the underpinnings or understanding around why you get the advice that it's good to talk to your kids in the car, because there you are again, side by side, eyes forward, right? Like at the bar.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great place. There's other stuff going on. There's other, you know, kind of distractions that can that can be, you know, a kind of a hum underneath all of this. It it makes it easier for somebody to cut away as well and cut away if they don't want to get, you know, hooked into a certain part of the conversation
3: yeah, or, the, you know? or that what do they call it the seven minute lull when you know when the conversation kind of goes flat if it's just two people <laughs> talking and there isn't the the sports net on or you know the radio and the car to listen to it's this awkward silence but if it's just i'm i don't have the next thought yet or i'm waiting to respond to what you said because you know it takes time for people to process but people don't oh, like okay. silence either there's there's a there's an expectation of how long it should take before you reply right
2: yeah. Well, and that's why I think, you know, sometimes having something on in the background, you know, that may be counterintuitive to people. Like how, they, how are we going to have a conversation? How will we be able to listen to this? Well, if you can put something on in the background that, that is comforting for people, uh, it's going to make the silences less, um, I guess, anxiety inducing. You know, uh, certainly for some people, um, they often can't bear the silence at all and they'll just f- fill, 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 fill with their own ideas and never listen to the other person. And having something on in the background can fill in that space for them. Yeah, the car's a great idea.
3: I'm just thinking about how that is so different from how parents think you're supposed to sit down, sit them down. look at me, look
2: them
0: in the eye. show me
3: respect by showing me your eyes, Don't turn off the television. I want your attention here. And you're like sabotaging, you're completely sabotaging your your uh, interaction by all the things that we've been trained
2: Yeah. And look, that's not to say I haven't done that with my kids. Okay. But but that is when I would want them to see a very strong deviation in baseline from how we normally talk. You know, that's going to mean something absolutely critical to the value system has gone on. I need to embed that. So I will be like, sit down, look at me right now, pay attention to what I'm saying. This is important. So lots of downward intonation, lots of. I might even dominate. I might even have height dominance because I want, I want the part of their brain that imprints to really remember this this moment. That that
3: that whole what is it? High high emotional content uh is it the hippocampus this is getting right where you lay down the memory like don't ever eat those berries again those
0: were bad (laughs)
2: exactly (laughs) exactly yeah it's that kind of like this is like you know you've done something which really impinges on on a super important resource be it something that we don't have a lot of and you gotta you gotta care about this thing or or it's your own life and we don't you only have one of those So, so, you know, you cannot do that again. That is absolutely no, (laughs) never, (laughs) you know?
3: And I tell parents like, you know, you gotta, especially in the teen years, you gotta count how many no's you're gonna use. Cause if you use that standing up, this is important for every little thing, you are gonna lose the impact.
2: Well, I'm glad you say that. So, so I have a thing with the political clients that I have, which is in any interview, they get one no. They shouldn't even ever really use it. But, but it, it means that they, they've they got to save that no. If they're going to use a no, they're going to save it for something that absolutely impinges on the most important values, you know? But they and, got and, and it in their back
3: pocket if they need got it. Got it in
2: their back pocket. That I'm like, I don't ever want to see you have to use this, but if you have to use it, you're going to come in so hard. You're going to, like, you are going to shock the interviewer that they will probably have to apologize
0: to
2: <laughs> you. Right? Like, you're going to... <laughs> And it will be such a radical difference from how open and accepting you were to all kinds of stuff that they're accusing you of, all kinds of stuff, you know, until they get to this thing where you then hammer in to them to the point of like, they're like, oh, sorry, I'll never, yeah, I'm sorry. We we must have that one completely wrong. I did
3: not sleep with that woman.
2: (laughs) 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 That's it. that is a a great example of how not to do, to deliver a good lie. Yes.
3: Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, listen. Let me give you final words. Anything you'd like this, and I'd love to have you back to talk more. We can think about some other things that, that you think would be important for families. Um, is there anything that you want to do to 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 complete or wrap up any of the topics that we had t- uh, today?
2: Yeah. Listen. I just I just think the important thing is. Really to pay more attention to the behaviors that you see around you. Be a little bit more curious. Be a little bit more observant. Think about things a little bit more. Jump to less conclusions. It's not that your instinct isn't accurate, but it's, it's accurate less of the time than you could imagine. <laughs> okay. And it's, and it's, and it would rather be inaccurate today for your safety than being accurate and, and be accurate tomorrow. So it's it's only, your instinct is only in it for you, not in it for other people. So just act a little less on instinct when you're seeing body language and ask questions a little bit more about what you're seeing.
3: I love it. Let me give you a moment too to just, do you have anything upcoming? Do you have things people can see? Take a little moment here to, to share besides the stuff that I'll put in the show notes, of course. But yeah, so look-
2: little- sure. Great, great places to find out what I'm doing. If, if you like what I've been talking around here with with Alison, then, then grab Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking, which is by myself and Tracy Thompson. And Alison's in the book as well, right at the start, a huge important part of it. Grab that book. We think it's great. What it is, is a book about... Critical thinking disguised as a book on body language. I would say it's about, it's about how to think about people more clearly a little bit better rather than jumping to those conclusions. So there's that. And, uh, as Alison was saying, if you want to see some really interesting analysis of people in the public eye, then hit the Behaviour Panel, which is myself and three of my friends who are all um, military, police, and uh, intelligence agency interrogators, and uh, behaviour and body language experts like myself are looking at the news of the day. And so you'll find us at the Behaviour Panel. Behaviourpanel.com will take you to our site and you'll get to YouTube there, or go into YouTube and just do the Behaviour Panel and... Up will come. Just behaviour okay. panel will find us. Or oh, Google my name. You'll find and us. And I'm
3: gonna and look in the show notes. I I promise I'll put everything in the show notes for people. I can't thank you enough, Mark, and, and hi to the family. And until the next time, stay well. So great to catch up and thank you for all this great
2: information. Always a pleasure. Happy to come back anytime.
3: As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg... The Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Metis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit.